Well, amen. I appreciate that, Melanie. And as she was singing, I was reminded one of the reasons I love our church is you might hear a song like Death Was Arrested, and then you might hear an old song. And I love that, hearing both and hearing songs like that. And that, Melanie, that encouraged my heart today and tonight. And if you don't know Melanie, Melanie is our administrative assistant and works here at the church and is a blessing um, to all of us, especially when she does make something to eat and brings it to church. Amen? And uh, so that's always a huge blessing. So John chapter number 10 tonight. We're going to continue this series, and somebody asked me who was teaching tonight, and it is me, and two weeks in a row on a Wednesday night, so we're making some progress here, um, but uh, don't get used to it, because we will change that next week. Uh, I'm thankful for the men that God has uh, brought here to teach and to preach, and we're continuing this series on just some different things that uh, Christians should know and teaching through them. Um, tonight, I'm going to be pre- uh, teaching on, uh, are we once saved, or are we always saved? And we're going to talk about that for a minute. In a couple weeks, uh, Coleman will be teaching on the assurance of salvation. Steve's going to be teaching on what happens when a Christian sins. And uh, we have some other lessons um, even after that. These are all good questions. Um, questions that I've been asked many times. Maybe things uh, that you've wondered about. Uh, maybe, and we're just going to look what the scripture says about this. Can you lose your salvation? If you've trusted Christ, can you lose it? Can you lose it? That's a good question, isn't it? I mean, that's something that I would want to know, and I would want to have scriptural basis for why I believe what I believe. Let's look at John chapter number 10 and look at verse number 27. John chapter number 10, verse number 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Can a true Christian lose their salvation? This is an interesting question that has, listen, been debated throughout history. Man, theologians and scholars for really hundreds and hundreds of years have discussed this. And like I said, we're going to talk about assurance of salvation. Has anybody ever had any doubt? We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. How to, when we have those doubts, what we do with those. Um, but tonight we're going to look at and really examine this question and answer this. Can a person be saved and then not be saved? So if we were to look at, etern- some would call it eternal security. If we were to look at it from a denominational standpoint, some would say, well, I'm this denomination, so I believe this or that about salvation or about eternal security. And I just want to say this as we dive into this. You know this here. We have Baptists on our sign, but I believe this more and more every day that more than Baptists, we are a Bible church, okay? So the Bible trumps what I say. The Bible trumps what Baptists say, okay? And by the way, it trumps what Baptists say a whole lot, a whole lot of the time. So we want to look at what the Bible says, not what we've always heard, not what we've always thought, but what does Scripture say? The Word of God trumps my word, your word, any other preacher's word every single time. So, the Arminians would call this doctrine the eternal security. Those that would have more uh, reformed leanings would have maybe used a term like this, the perseverance of the saints. I'm not here to argue which side we fall on because I believe probably we would fall on, if you believe your Bible, you're going to be both in some ways, okay? There's, there's, we believe in the free will of man, but we also believe in the sovereignty of God. Predestination is a Bible term. It's in the Scriptures. You can't just ignore it. So we're not here to argue what that looks like necessarily tonight, but we are going to look at this question. If I'm saved, or if a person is truly saved, now this is where I think we get in a little bit of trouble, 
There's a whole lot of people that may say they were saved that may not have ever been saved. Okay, so we just need to get, get that out on the, out on the uh, uh, table here. I was meeting with a family before church tonight, and they were talking about how their son was going to, their son now is about eight or nine years old, and Pastor Collins is going to sit down with him, or Deanna is going to sit down with him and talk about salvation. Because when he was five, he went uh, a few miles from here to vacation Bible school. And someone got up and, and started screaming at little kids and saying, you don't want to go to hell, do you? And of course, if you're a five-year-old and somebody says that, I mean, what is a five-year-old going to say? I don't want to go to hell, right? So repeat these magic words after me and you won't go to hell, right? But now, four, three, four years later, man, he didn't really know what had happened there. He really probably didn't believe and confess, but he didn't want to go to hell. So now we've got this complicated situation that didn't have to be there in the first place because God could have used those moments. Is everybody tracking me to really draw him and the Holy Spirit really get a hold of him? So, you know, so I think a lot of times when people say they walked away from their faith or they reject the faith, I believe personally that many times what had happened was they were probably never saved in the first place. They've never trusted Christ in the first place. And let me just go ahead and say this as well. You know this as we talk here at our church. We believe it's okay to disagree on issues and still be friends and still even worship together. So if you I mean, it's one of those things that I just always like to get out there, not trying to be mean, not trying to argue with anyone. I just want to show you what the Bible says. And those are just some things I've been made aware of. We, and this, I, you know, and I believe children can get saved. This next Sunday, we're going to baptize like seven kids, and that's awesome. But each one of them has been sat down with and not scared into getting saved but talked about, hey, you're a sinner. And because of that sin, you're separated from God. And God sent his son into the world. And he's got, he, Jesus is God, and he wrapped himself in flesh, and he lived a sinless life, and he died on the cross, and he paid a price. We go through the whole, we don't just, is everybody tracking me on that? We want to be very clear, very deliberate, and very careful. So you could have a childlike faith, no doubt, and get saved. But I believe a lot of reasons that people do reject their faith as adults is because when they were kids, they made a false profession of faith. They didn't lose it. They never had it to begin with. Does that make sense with everybody? So, when we talk about eternal security, we are, we are talking about only those that have been born again. Those who are in Christ. Not just those who have been baptized. Not the, just those who attend church. But those who have been born from above. Those who have been passed from death unto life and from darkness to light. A verse that often comes up and should make us think is this verse. Matthew chapter 7 verses 22 and 23. We've all read it. Many will say to me in that day, and this is scary, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity. The key word is here, and I want you to think about this. One of the key words here is this, I never knew you. So he never, does everybody see that? I, he never knew them in the first place. This person that's, that, that he's going to cast out had never been born again. They had never been passed from death unto life. They had never been in Christ. This person had never been saved in the per first place because he says this, I never knew you. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they know me and I know them. So here it is. I personally don't believe, from what I've studied in Scripture, you don't become a Christian and then unbecome a Christian. Okay, 
You don't become saved and then unbecome saved. I hear people say, well, that person used to be a Christian. No, they may have used to be religious, or they may have used to do some religious things, or they may have used to gone through some motions, but they were never a believer. Verse 27 and 28, which we first, we read it again, look back at it in John. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall, and this is an important word, any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, look who gave them to him. Look, look, you all see this? My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So here's the point. We need to understand this. There's a lot of religious people that aren't saved. There's a lot of people that haven't grown up in church that have never truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's not a complicated thing. It, it, you can have the faith of a child and do it. But listen, those who are saved will never perish. Well, what about those who leave, like we've talked about, that maybe had grown up in church and you know and we've seen this especially with Christian artists recently in the last five and ten years you have these people who uh, sing in these Christian bands and even were preachers I think one of the biggest ones many people read a book of a, by a man was it Joshua Harris Steve is that who wrote that Joshua Harris had one of the best-selling books in the 90s called I Kissed Dating Goodbye every church in the country was was talking about courting and teaching through this book and just in the last couple of years he's rejected his Christianity so was he ever saved in the first place that's the question that people would ask and come that would come up and first john 2 19 says it this way they went out from among us because they were not of us for if they had been of us they would no doubt have continued with us but they went out that they may be made manifest that they were not all of us so my answer to a person like that is this, they were probably never saved in the first place. I've read articles about people like Marilyn Manson. If y'all remember who he was, like when I was in high school, he was the one, you know, he, and, and his daddy, I believe, was a preacher. And they said, you know, when he was younger, he got saved, and now he's doing all this. My, from what I understand from Scripture is, no, he didn't, he didn't be saved and then not be saved. Man, he was never truly converted in the first place. Okay, so let me give you some things here uh, just about the eternal security or the perseverance of a believer. The first thing I, I would write down is this, is God's promise. God's promise. How many of you believe that if God makes a promise, he's going to keep it? Y'all believe that tonight? Let me read a verse to you. And I think, do we have these for the screen tonight, Philip? Because we're going to go through a bunch. I don't know if we have time, if they had time to get them. But uh, Romans 8, 38 and 39. And I, I want, let me read this to you. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life. Now listen to all these words. And these are important. These, these Wednesday nights, and let me just stop here and put a little asterisk. We're not, I'm not going to be running around jumping on pews trying to keep your attention. But the stuff we're going to teach on Wednesday nights, listen, this is some of the most important stuff that we can get a grip on, okay? Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded, listen, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, look at this, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Understand this, if you're God's child and he loves you, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. It's a promise he's made. The second thing, God's purpose. Look at Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6, and this is an important one. Philippians 1, six, 
being confident in this very thing. And I want you to think about these words. This is, this is good. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, who began the good work in you? And I know as Baptists, sometimes we don't like this. But who was it? Was it you that began it? Who was it? It was God. If he began it, guess who's going to finish it? He is. You couldn't start it, and you couldn't finish it. Listen, and I'm, I'm just going to say, there's nobody that gets saved without the drawing of the Holy Spirit of God. He began it, and he will complete it, and he will finish it. It began with him, and it will finish with him. He started it. He's going to finish it. He begun it. He will perform it. So we, we see God's promise. We see God's purpose. And then thirdly, we see God's sovereign predestination. Now, don't get nervous on me here. God's sovereign predestination. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse number 29. It says this, For whom he did foreknow, so he had foreknowledge, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, he did predestinate them, also he called. And whom he called, them also he justified. And whom he justified, them also glorified. Our minds cannot comprehend this, that God knew who would be saved. Listen, he knew and he's going to keep you till the end, okay? It was God's work in your life. God saw that you would be born. God saw that you would accept Christ. He knew your destiny was to be like Christ. You're predestined to be like Jesus. He already sees you as glorified. What is foreknown in heaven cannot be annulled by hell. He is, listen, he, he knows, okay? Man, his promises and his predestination. And then fourthly, write this one down. Calvary's provision. Calvary's provision. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 14. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He doesn't just give you a fresh start and new life and then take it away. He gives you an eternal perfection by that offering. Turn with me to Romans chapter number 4. Romans chapter number 4. And look at verse number 1. We're going to look at two different passages here. We're going to look one in Romans and one in James that I've preached out of many times. That if we're not careful could look like a contradiction of Scripture. Matter of fact, it's ones that people would bring up and say the Bible contradicts itself. But I want to look at these and so we can explain something here. Because this is where a lot of confusion comes in. Romans chapter 4, look at verse number 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness." Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So if we're not careful there, and we're going to come to James here in just a few minutes, it would almost seem like, listen, if, if I don't do these works, and, or, or, or the James passage we're going to go to, y'all remember that says, my faith by, I'll show you my faith by my works. Does everybody remember that passage? We're going to look at what that looks like. 
Here, it, it's clear that it wasn't the works. It was his faith. It was his faith in Jesus Christ. It was belief, okay? So keep that in the back of your mind. Number five, the new saint's position. The new saint's position. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. I love this one. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, what's it say? He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Man, behold, all things are become new. Turn to Romans chapter number 5. Let me read one more to you here. Romans chapter number 5, verse number 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is a figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For the, through the offense of one, many be made dead. Talking about that first Adam. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, who is it? Jesus Christ abounded unto many. Okay? So it's not us. It's Jesus. Okay? That does the, does the work. And that saint's new position. We are either in Adam tonight or we are in Christ. We are still under sin, or we've been forgiven, or we are in Christ. Sixthly, write, write this one down, a, the eternal provision. Look at John 5, 24. It'll be up on the screen. John 5, 24. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believe on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So you don't get passed from death unto life over and over again. Is everybody track with me? You're not saved one day and unsaved the next. You're not in the Lamb's book of life one day and not in it the next. All right? You're either saved or you're not saved. And we're going to, I, I want to show you something. So in, in Romans, it almost seems like we're justified by faith. And then if we read, turn to James chapter number two, here it almost seems like we're justified by works. And this is where the confusion can come in sometimes. Look at James chapter number two. And look at verse number 14. James chapter 2, verse number 14. And I, I believe that this is really a passage on what real faith and real salvation will look like, okay? But look at this. What doth it profit, my brethren? Look at this. Though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food. One of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, ye give them not those things which are needful for the body. What doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works. This is scary. If you, if you don't understand this. Dead being what? Alone. Yea, a man say thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. Because it's about belief, right? When we talk about it, it's about believing in Jesus. But look at this. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. Look at this next phrase. The devils also, what? Believe and tremble. <laughs> Look at verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham? So here's the contradiction where people say there's a contradiction. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Now, what did it say he was justified back in Romans? It says he was justified by faith, not works. Okay, look at this. And when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar, seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. 
And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So this is where the controversy come up. They're, they're saying, well, you, gotta have works to, you have to have works to be saved. And then, but in Romans 8, it says, no, it's by faith. It's about by believing. So who's right? Is it Paul or is it James? What we've got to understand is they're talking about two different things. Paul is talking about the root of salvation. Okay? James here is talking about the fruit of salvation. Two different things. The root of salvation is that faith and believing. The fruit of true conversion and true salvation is the works. The works is not what saves you, but guess what? It's what justifies you in the sight of man. Maybe put it this way. Paul's talking about what justifies you in the sight of God, that faith, that belief, that confession. James is talking what justifies you in the sight of man, what, sh what shows that you are a Christian. That's what James is talking about with these works, okay? If we are saved and we're walking with the Lord, let me just say this, and the Holy Spirit indwells us, there's going to be some things that are different in our lives. So maybe you could title this James passage here, How to Have Real Faith. And the first thing I notice in this, it says, though a man say that he have faith. Can I just remind you that real faith is not just something that you say? I mean, there's a lot of people that say they have faith, right? Well, preacher, I'm a person of faith, you know. I hear that all the time. Or, man, I have faith. And many times I say, what do you have faith in? Well, I have faith in faith. It's just something that we say anymore, you know. You'll see these celebrities many times, you know, thank the Lord right away, and we say it, okay. It's not just something we say. By the way, I, in my life, I want to have something that's real, right? Don't you? Like, I don't like fake stuff. Does anybody like that at all? Like, I like real leather, right? I like real Mexican food. Somebody help me. I don't like, I don't want to have that Americanized Mexican food. And, man, I like the real thing. I like, listen, I don't like when I drink Dr. I used to be a, a Dr. Pepper-aholic. I don't like those, I don't like fake, I don't like Dr. Thunder. Remember when we first got married? We lived in a basement apartment at my in-laws. Thank God he delivered us from that. But I remember Sarah, you know, we didn't have any money. But even when you don't have any money, there's still some things you have to splurge on. Somebody help me tonight. I remember Sarah brought home Dr. Thunder, you know, from Walmart or whatever. You get it like for 35, how much was it? Yeah, back then you could get a two-liter. Y'all remember that for 25 cents. And I think their Mountain Dew, their fake Mountain Dew is Mountain Lion, you know. Man, that stuff's disgusting. I, when it comes to, like, mashed potatoes, you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, there's fake mashed potatoes, and there's real mashed potatoes. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, real ones. I like them with just a little bit of chunk every once in a while. I them with a whole lot of butter. Somebody help me tonight. Fake, I like the real ones. I like the real thing. And I think faith's the same way sometimes. Man, it, it's, when it's not real faith, it stinks. Okay? And so, James is saying here, first of all, that Real faith isn't just something that you say. Now, we're talking about the fruit. We're not talking about the root. Is everybody clear with this? Not the root, but the fruit. It's not just something you say. Real faith isn't even something you feel. I don't remember which verse it is, but there in James chapter 2, it says that someone shows up at the church and needs clothes, and the person that's there says, hey, just go out and be warmed and feel, filled. So they were sympathizing, but they didn't do anything about it. You guys see what I'm saying? 
That's not real faith. Real faith isn't just something you say. Real faith isn't just something you feel. And then it's interesting, the next one he brings up is the, is the devils, the demons, and Satan. It says the devils believe and they tremble. Man, real faith when it comes to fruit isn't just something you believe. It's not just enough to say it. It's not just enough to feel it. It's not enough just to believe it. You know what, it, you know what he's, James is trying to, and I'm talking about the fruit. I'm not talking about the act of salvation. I'm talking about how we show salvation. You know what real faith is? It's not just something you think, not something you feel, not something you say, not something you believe. You know what the evidence of real faith is? It's something that you do. Real faith gets put into action. Because anybody can say they have faith and they believe God, but do we trust his promises? Do we trust that he's going to keep us forever? Do we trust his plan? Do we trust his purpose? Do we trust what he... And and that's the reason, I'll just be honest with you, that's the reason. I mean, there's people that grew up in church many times, and and one one little roadblock comes across the way, and I'm not trying to be mean or destructive with anybody. But many times, and I know people can get backslidden, and they're still saved. I get that. But a lot of times... The facts are there's people that just were never truly converted in the first place. And, and I, I'm just telling you. There, we see it all the time. I mean, we see folks saved. Man, I've had people set in my office. And I know, Brother Jason, you've seen this over the years. And Jeremy, just being around ministry, you're, you've seen it so many times. People that grew up in church, and they start having all these doubts all the time. And they're struggling with all this stuff. And, man, they, they, they finally just reject. And they run, they run. And I propose to you, yes, you can be backslidden. And I get that. And by the way, let me just say this. I've never seen a family... It is God's will for people to leave our church sometimes. It is. And go to another church. It's not God's will for people to leave church and then not go to church. Saved people, and let me just state, let me just tell you, you don't, God's plan for us, if you know the Bible at all, when people say, I can just do church at home, no, you can't. That's not what God's plan is. God's plan is a local community of believers coming together. And I'm not talking about shut-ins, Miss Barbara, so if you're watching, don't get mad at me right now. But if you're willing, if you're able, God's plan is for the church. The reason that people either get, they're either backslidden or they're not truly saved in the first place. Because God's people, why wouldn't you want to go to church? Right? Like, we know, somebody said this to me, and this, I don't even know how I got on this. So there's just too many hypocrites there. And you've heard me say this. Yeah, and there's room for one more. We're all hypocritical. It's the facts. We all struggle. I mean, that's like, that's the biggest cop-out I've ever heard in my life. You know? So th- that's what we've got to understand with our real faith. So here's my challenge for us. And I wanted, this is what I want to talk about. So eternal security, we've seen over and over. You can't pluck him out of your hand if you're truly saved. Listen, either his work was good enough on the cross or it wasn't good enough, right? I'm either sealed or I'm not. So many times when we start struggling with this thing, is because, as Steve's going to teach in a couple weeks, man, sometimes we're, we're, we're in sin a whole lot. And we get so far to, like, sin should bother you as a believer. If you're willingly and knowingly sinning, and it doesn't bother you, there's probably something you need to check out. You're either so far away from the Lord that you're so backslidden that there's no conviction, or if it is bothering you, can I just tell you, that's a good thing. There's a battle going on. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. So, but here's the, here's the thought I want to talk, I want to just challenge you with on the practical end quickly is this. Is your faith in your life right now just something you say? Is it just something you think? Is it just something you feel? Is it just something you believe or is it something you do? One of the saddest things in the world to me is people that, especially with social media, it's just crazy, like post Bible verses and how much they love God. They don't go to church. They don't love their brothers. 
You want to know how a person is your, uh, my disciple? We've talked about this a lot. If you have love for one another, hateful, hateful people sharing Bible verses. And by the way, here's the worst ones. Share this 10,000 times and you're going to be blessed. Don't send me that. I'm not sharing it. I'm going to block you, okay? But it, real faith goes a lot bigger than that. Posting a Bible verse, praise the Lord for it, and I'll post them. I'm trying to encourage people. But can I just tell you, that's, you know what real faith says? Real faith says when the times get tough, I'm going to trust the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understandings. I'm going to acknowledge him, and he's going to direct my path. Real faith says if Jeremiah 33.3, I will call unto thee, and he will answer me and show me great and mighty things, which I know it's not. Real faith doesn't just talk about prayer. You know what real faith does? Prayer. It prays. Real faith doesn't just say that the word of God changes lives. You know what real faith does? It wakes up tomorrow morning and opens the word of God and spends time in his word. You know, real faith doesn't just say we need to follow God's will. Real faith, you know what real faith does? When, when, when that angel and when God shows up to Abraham and says, go, go to that land that I'll show you, and I'm not even telling, it, telling you where it is right now, I'm going to go. Real faith says this, I, God, you promised to supply all my needs according to your rich. Listen, you know what real faith says? I'm going to give even when it doesn't make sense. You know what real faith says? I'm not going to give up on my family because I believe God could save them. You know what real faith says tonight? It says this. I'm gonna, is everybody tracking me on this? So here, here's the question, and I think it's this question tonight. We understand, listen, that if you've been saved, you are saved, okay? But are we, are we showing that daily? Man, are we showing that by loving our brothers, by loving our sisters? Man, are we showing that by winning others to the Lord? So, like, if I had the cure for cancer, and I've used this illustration a lot, and this is, we'd have revival if Christians started being Christians. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Like, if we started, if we, if we knew we had the cure for cancer, like, we, well, we'd probably get a lawyer so we could, you know what I mean, and then we'd start going through some things. Um, but if we had a cure for cancer, what would we do? We'd be telling anybody we could about it. You know, and I'm, I'm not trying to downplay cancer. My dad died of it. But, you know, we I honestly, I really believe, or if I didn't believe this, I'd stop doing what I'm doing and do something else. We have something that's greater than that. Like, we have something to share with people that, that God's given us. That, man, that God's given us a story to tell about how he saved us and he redeemed us and he sent his son. Is everybody tracking me on this? So real faith, you know what? We tell people about it. And there's times, has anybody else ever like known you should share your faith and you didn't? Man, I've had those moments before. Man, I've had those moments where people, man, I'm talking to them, I know I should invite them to church or tell them about what God's done for me. And I think it and I believe it. But many times I don't do it. So what my challenge for you is tonight is, man, let's, let's be a church and let's be people. And this is the core tonight here on Wednesday night. Let's be people that don't just say it. That's all over the place. You can drive down this road, and you'll see 10 signs that say Jesus, those yellow signs that say Jesus. You can go to the parking lot, and any, anywhere around, you'll see Jesus fish everywhere. And I'm not against seeing that stuff. It's all good. The more we get his name out, the better. But you know, greater than any of that, that we can have an impact on people is when we sit down across the table from them, and we just share God's love with them, share God's grace with them, share what God's done in our lives. Man, I wonder who it is that God's placed in your life, that he just, he's placed in there, because you're eternally secure, you know where you're going, and he's placed them there just so you can share it, share his grace and share his love with them. Invite them. I'm glad, I'm thankful that there were some people in my life that had real faith that shared God, the gospel with me. Like, that's awesome, isn't it? The average Christian, and I'm not being mean, I just want to encourage you to think about this. The average Christian, it's been years since they've led anyone else to the Lord. 
the average church staff member, unfortunately, across the country. It's been a long time since they went out from the church and shared the gospel with someone and, and told them how Jesus could save them. I found this. You know who usually does it the most? Who's usually the biggest witness? It's usually a messed up person that's just recently been saved. Seriously. Usually the greatest witnesses are those people that God has just changed their lives. Because after we've been saved a long time, we forget about the grace and the mercy part, and all we want to do is preach the religious. And the, Is everybody tracking on me? Like we want to fix people's politics and fix all that stuff rather than going to the, the, the heart of the matter. So I want to challenge you all tonight, and we're about done, is this. As we leave here tonight, and I don't know of anything deeper than this. As we leave here tonight, who is it in your life right now that God's placed there that you know you need to witness to? That you know you need to share Jesus with? I found, you know, I remember when I was working in the secular world, part of the reason that I couldn't share Jesus with the person that I worked with is because I lived just like they did. And when I say that, I'm not talking about, by the way I dressed and any of that. I'm talking about I was a jerk. Sometimes we can't witness the people we work with because we don't live like Jesus has changed our lives. Man, we don't live, we don't live in a way. You see what I'm saying? So I want to just encourage you as we leave tonight. Yeah, we're eternally secure, and that's cool, and that's awesome. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I can't reject it. I'm thankful that if, it, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But, man, I want to put my faith, I want to take that, the fact that I am. I know where I'm going when I die. I'm not scared to die. You ever think about that? I'm not. One man said it this way back in the day, our people die well. I've been in a, in, in, in a hospital room with saints of God that have been saved for years. And can I just say this? It, you know what it is? People that are eternal secure, people that know where they're going, it's a place of peace, man. There, it, and I'm not being funny. Here. You don't, if you've never been there, you, don't, you may not understand this. But when that person passes from this life to that next and they know where they're going, we're sad. I'm just telling you, there ain't nothing in the world like it. <laughs> There's not. I mean, I've been in those moments. I've, I've, I've been in there where I felt like I was getting ushered into the presence before. You know why that is? It's the hope. It's that real faith that they had in their lives. It's that understanding that, of that security that they have, not in themselves, but in who Jesus Christ is. Let me just say this. If you don't know him, if you've never trusted him, maybe you've been in church your entire life. Maybe your daddy was a preacher. Maybe you've taught and sang. I just want to beg you, don't go to hell from our church. Man, if God's drawn you at some point, be obedient to that drawing. Maybe you, you, you have doubts and maybe you don't know. Man, grab one of our staff, one of our men, and we'd love to sit down further. Ladies, grab Melanie or or Sarah, or one of our, 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 our ladies here, and they'd love to sit down with you and take a Bible, and not show you what some man or some religion says, because that doesn't matter, but show you what God's Word says about how you can know for sure. Man, I want us to be people that, man, we don't doubt it. We understand that our security isn't in our works. It's in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Man, once you're in Christ... It's not you're in Christ one day and you're out of Christ the next day. No, you're in Him. And you need to live in victory because of not what you've done, because of what He has done. You see, for the believer, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. You know when everlasting life started for you? The moment you got saved. You ever think about that? It, for the believer, as the old camp meeting preacher used to say, it ain't that bad because you're only going to live forever. You understand that. And that's where we forget it. We've already begun that life. Now, we're still here on this earth, but our life, we ain't dying. Our body is, but our soul and spirit, man, we're going to be in the presence. To be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. Man, that's the hope that we have. Man, that's the joy. That's something inside of us that should drive us. Man, we should be living every day in the comfort and the security that it's, man, if I'm in Him, oh, man, that's awesome. There's nothing that can separate me from that. I mean, that's, that's something that ought to burn inside of us. That's something that as we walk with him every single day we should be thinking about. Because none of us, y'all know none of us are promised tomorrow. I mean, I could think, we've seen some major tragedies here in the last year, last two years. I mean, I think a little boy got killed at South. Think about the family just a few weeks ago, Fort Dobbs. I mean, what a tragic thing. I mean, think of, we could go on and on and on. None of us are promised tomorrow. Our security must be in the Lord. If we've never trusted Him, man, we need to, we need to, we need to run to Him. Aren't you? I'm, thankful, I'm thankful for this. When we come to Him, it's not your works that's going to save you. It's not being a good person that's going to save you. It's none of that. The, the thing that's going to save you is when you confess with your mouth, you believe your heart that He is who He says He is. If you've never done that, and I don't know why the Lord keeps bringing me to this, but if you've never done that, I'm just telling I know this is Wednesday night crowd. If you've never done that, don't leave here tonight without getting that thing nailed down. Man, he's been so good to us, man. He's been so good to me. Man, he's forgiven me so much. He loves, you may even be here tonight and feel like, oh, he could never change my life. He could never save me. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. You may be here tonight, you've been in church your entire life, and it would be a pride, you're like, my pride, I mean, I, people, what are people going to think if I, if I follow the Lord? Man, people will rejoice with you. Heaven is going to have a party. We definitely going to have one. A couple things you got to do. If we're going to understand this. Is we got to understand that we're all sinners. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Because of that sin, Genesis chapter number 3, we're all going to die. Right? As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. But God commendeth, probably the most quoted verse behind this pulpit, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Us. For God, and if we've already quoted this one, for God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, if you've never done that, man, why not do that tonight? I just want us to think about it. Matt, if you come to the piano, we're going to close. Every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. So we can get ready to close. I'm thankful that I'm secure tonight.